Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always, but I won't be here for as long as you think I am. Just jumping in with a quick note just because Seb forgot to do his intro, so I'm doing it on his behalf. So I'll be passing it over to him and Tom as they go over the 1-0 loss to West Ham United from Sunday, of course. But with that being said, I do also want to give a little bit of an apology to everyone with the lack of uploads lately, um, with Danny tying the knot, so congrats to him. Um, Simon is kind of going on an American adventure, and we don't know when he'll be back, but hopefully he's having fun. And of course, Tom is finally just getting over his battle with COVID, so we're all just coming back from things, and uh, we should have lots coming up soon, so stick with us, and without further ado, enjoy this edition of the Holtcast. And making his recovery back to the channel after recently recovering himself from COVID, it's Tom. How do you feel, Tom? Um, COVID-wise, a lot better, pretty much fixed. Um, but then, of course, got the old villa come down afterwards as well. So uh, I don't know which one's worse, to be honest. Uh, well, it's yeah. nice to have you back. Um, what did you think of the game? You know, I did like, I don't know, try not to be too reactionary because I didn't think we were like, I didn't think it was the worst that I've seen us play in recent months or whatever. But the problem is that's a really low bar in it <laughs> now. Um, I thought we started off like looking all right, intent to like control the ball, um, try and force the issue a bit. But it's just my, my main issue is it's this, like, kind of the same old, same old, like slow build up. Not much inspiration, is there really, like, going forward? Um, and then the sort of, um, in again, I think the inability to sort of change the game tactically. Like, Moyes made that change at half-time for them, like, change in personnel and change in formation. Went to four at the back. Um, I know it was a lucky goal with the deflection, but, like, those are the margins, I think. Like, you've got, you've got a manager who can make a positive change and take the game by the scruff of the neck, and then you've got a manager who um is reactionary to say the least so it's just I don't know um I thought it was petering out to nil nil and at nil nil I don't think either team could really have complained but it's that thing unfortunately as a Villa fan that you realize like if one of those two teams was going to lose that game today it was always going to be Villa wasn't it yeah definitely and I think we'll we'll touch on Gerard a bit later I don't want to go too deep into into Stevie G as so early on anyway um but you know for me after just coming back from the game it was it was a match of such little quality and that's the frustrating thing is where you pin a team down so they don't look anywhere near their best whether that's due to us looking better at the back after recent weeks or whether them just having a really poor day we still didn't able to capitalize on it a lot of been a lot has been made of our defensive frailties in recent weeks and in the first half I was really impressed with that they they handed a start to Skamaka obviously still early on in his Premier League career and 
you know, for the absolute giant that he is, I think Chambers and Concert managed to deal with him really, really well. We seemed to swarm him whenever he had the ball, get three players on him, and he didn't really have an answer for it, hence hence coming off for Antonio. And I do think that made the change. Antonio's experience, his his almost better hold-up play. He was he was better at moving the ball forward. Skamaka would hold the ball up, pass it off back to him and look to get the attack going while he went into the box, whereas Antonio was very much get the ball down, play it through the defence, and that's what seemed to cause us trouble. Trouble As soon as our defenders were on their back foot and having to chase back towards their own goal, we looked, we looked a lot more worried than we did beforehand. But, yeah, I, it was a really good first half. We came out the blocks, we looked the better team, and one thing for me is I very rarely think Villa look like the home team which is a really weird thing to say. But whenever we're at Villa Park, it seems to me, and I've noticed it, where we don't look like the home team. We don't look like the team controlling tempo, controlling play. It all seems to be the opposition. But today that was different and we managed that really well. So to come away with zero points again is is really worrying from that. Um, obviously, Coutinho went off injured, being replaced with Brendia. How did that look for you, Tom? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. It looks like it's, we'll have to wait and see, but it looks like it was uh, either cramp or like a pulled muscle or, or something like that. Like, I don't know. I mean, it forced the issue, didn't it? Like with Gerard. I don't know if, I, I, I'm a bit hazy on time frame. I was watching on telly, but I wasn't sure if Buendia was already warming up before Coutinho pulled up with that or if that was that sort of like spark Gerard into action. But I mean... Obviously, I hope Coutinho is not out. I hope it's not a serious thing. I hope he's not out for a while, but it's going to be interesting, you know, if, if say, he's out for, if it's a muscle thing, if it's like a muscle thing rather than cramp, then he'll, he's probably going to be out for, considering we got a quick turnaround, right, to Arsenal in midweek. So if, if he misses even a game or two, it'll be interesting to see how Gerard, um is forced to adapt. You'd have to imagine Wendier will come in because it seems to be a straight swap and it seems to be one or the other in Gerard's mind. But um yeah I mean I don't know I could just I I should say going back to the def- like you mentioned about the defense I agree with you actually I thought when I saw the team and there was no no Mings due to illness or whatever it is uh I was a bit concerned about how we'd stack up like aerially um because also Conso sometimes I think there's a bit of a doubt over whether he needs like a, a, a more dominant defensive partner to really bring out the best of his game but I thought defensively Give or take, you know, there's always a couple of moments, like a couple of poor giveaways, I think, from Luca Dina, particularly at points. But generally, I thought we defended fine. Um, and then, yeah, like Coutinho was getting on the ball quite a lot, but it's just, we're just slow, really slow. And it's frustrating, like you said, for days like today. If you deserve, because like if you deserve to lose, you deserve to lose. But I've seen a lot of fans already saying that Villa really deserved to lose today. I didn't. I didn't think we deserved to lose. I didn't think anybody deserved to win that game. I didn't think anybody deserved to score in that game, to be honest. That was looked like it was destined for nil-nil. And it's just so annoying that those fine margins, again, seems like it happens very often. It's us who come out on the wrong side of it, you know? Yeah, it's really disappointing because I try to remember a time where we tested Fabianski and not one springs to mind. I mean, we've had shots on target, but nothing really that, that gets you off your feet and you think it's in. Obviously, we scored and had it disallowed. I think it was disallowed, correct me if I'm wrong, because the ball had already swung out of play. Yeah, and it had. Um, it, we couldn't really tell at the time in the ground. Um, but 
you know, it, it doesn't look as though we're going to score at the moment. It doesn't look as though we're going to score more than one anyway, because we seem to be trying to walk it in at the moment. And it's just it's just not falling for us. I noticed in the warm up today that Villa were doing a lot of work on shooting drills. They had the whole of the attack in. They had the whole of the midfield in while the defence did separate work. And that's something that I haven't really seen before is how much we focused on it. But it didn't really seem to make a difference. It always seems to be the final ball is letting us down. And I feel like I've said that with Villa for years. But it's really difficult because once they start going in, the goals will start flowing. I mean, Watkins has had a really good start to the season so far. So it's not like we can say they're not performing. It, maybe it's just one of those days where we haven't created enough to win the game, mm. but it's even more frustrating when when you look at how poor West Ham were today. I really feel as though they were there for the taking. Um, does it feel like a chance not taken for you today? Oh, like 100%. It's just, you know, because we've had fixtures-wise, like no disrespect to the teams that we've played, obviously like Palace these days, uh, no slouches at all, but... You look at the Villa's first four games, right? Like Bournemouth, Everton, Palace, West Ham, like that. To come out of those with just three points, um, you've got to be pretty bitterly disappointed, I think. Like it's just we've Everton, Everton. You know, when we beat Everton, Everton were there for the taking, and thankfully on that day we had enough about us to get over the line. You know, even if they did, we did concede late, and then it was a bit hairy, wasn't it? Right at the end of that of that game, even, but. Um, yeah, West Ham to not even, you know, for them not to have scored in the league before today, lost three in a row. And they were like first half, as much as we were, we were saying, we thought we looked all right. I thought West Ham were terrible first half, Re- like as bad a shadow. They're a shadow of themselves, aren't they? From even five or six months ago. Um, so, you know, the goal was really unlucky. Um Reminded me actually, you know, the get our survival game a couple of years ago at, at West Ham when they scored that equaliser and put us under the cosh at the end. Um, one of those, you just get those deflections, don't you? You can't really do anything about that. But it's not even, you know, I'd have been disappointed. To be honest, I'd have been disappointed with nil nil today. So to lose one nil, um, yeah, it's a bit hard to stomach really. And it's one that I'm actually glad. I know that it seems like nothing's going right for us really at the moment in the league, but I'm glad that we've got a quick turnaround for Arsenal in midweek because you you, do, you wouldn't want to be sat stewing on this, would you, for seven days? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I went into today thinking about how crucial those three points were because I think if we if we won today, it would have put us up to seventh. So, you know, looking at the big picture, it's not all doom and gloom. I know it's really difficult to feel that because we as a channel don't normally record straight after the game or or if we do, I'm not normally on it. But um, so to do it straight after the game, I'm trying not to be too reactionary. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I went into today, I was looking at the table and noticing how we could have gone seventh with a win. But we stay, we stay down in the bottom half of the table. Um, obviously, we're not... We're not even thinking about a relegation battle at the moment or nothing like that. But we do need to pick points up soon because we've got Arsenal away who are yet to drop points in the league. And then Man City, who even if you get a two goal lead on them, just as we learned last season, it feels as though they can bring that back. They're scoring for fun at the moment. And that will be a real test of our defence, whoever's in there. Um, 
Let's move on slightly to transfer rumours. Obviously, there's news today that Anwar Al-Ghazi will probably be departing for PSV in the coming days or weeks. And there's obviously been strong links to Jan Bednarek as well as other defenders. Can you see anyone coming in with a week left of the transfer window? Yeah, I do think a centre. I think a centre back will come in. Um, it sounds it does sound like it's probably going to be Bednarek. Um, I also saw. Did you see that link? I mean, it's in the Sun, um, but that link to Craig Dawson, who I'd I'd really like, but I just can't. You know, as like particularly as a short to medium term option slash rotation or depth option I think he'd be a good addition but I just can't really can't really see West Ham letting him go and even in the Suns reports like classic the Sun they had the reports about interest and then in sort of like paragraph five or something they had a line saying like West Ham don't want to sell him so like, great that's that that's pointless then in it like um but so maybe Bednarek Bednarek I'm not opposed to at all he's one of these players I think I, I actually I wrote I tweeted this the other day because it just it occurred to me like Bednarek's one of these players who it's been a pretty much a regular in the Premier League for like four years. And I still don't really have much of an idea about how good he is, to be honest. I've seen him play loads of times, but I, I don't have a st- particularly strong opinion on him other than to have played a hundred and whatever Premier League games, 40 odd caps for Poland, I think. Then Poland, you've got the Matty Cash connection as well. So if he lines up on the right-hand side of defence, you know, with Cash, that could be a nice potential partnership that we could profit from. Um if it's, I think there's talk of it either being like a loan with an option to buy or maybe even like a straight sort of like 15 million move. Like I'd be happy if we get him on like a loan with an option to buy. And that'd do me, I think really, to be honest. Like I do think we need another one. But then the problem is with that as well is that throws up its own problems because today, you know, we're four games into the leagues, into our league season. We've had four different central defensive partnerships. Like it's... At something that's obviously we've had the bad luck there with Carlos and with Mings today, but like at some point you are going to have to start putting a settled central defensive pair on the pitch. Um, that's not something that can continue, and you can't expect to get better. Like like we said, I didn't think we were particularly bad defensively today at all, um, but it's just it's an issue that needs to be resolved. Um, and then I don't know beyond honestly beyond that. I know there's still a bit of talk about bringing a midfielder in or whatever. I'm not. I'm at the point now where all I'm expecting a like centre back cover to come in. I'm not necessarily expecting anything else. I wouldn't be too surprised if we bring another midfielder in, but I, I, I sort of can't even really hazard a guess at who it will be. I've given up trying to guess now, really, with Villa's transfer targets. Um, but yeah, I mean, I certainly don't think that Villa fans or Steven Gerrard, to be honest, should be hanging their hopes on a lot of transfer business before the end of the window I think it's time to sort of step up and get the best out of the players that we've got in front of us yeah the closer we are to that deadline it definitely seems as though it will just be the one coming in um for me alone suits us quite well because um obviously fans have their reservations and fans are always going to have their reservations about new players coming in um but there's no sort of risk with a year-long loan because Mm. obviously Steven Gerrard has mentioned a lot that he thinks Carlos will come back before the end of the season. How true that is, I'm not too sure. But it allows us the freedom to be able to make our own decision then. There's almost no pressure on Bednarek to be able to suddenly solve all of our defensive problems at the moment. Um, If he comes in and does brilliantly, then... You know, that's amazing. We'll be able to buy him in the summer and hopefully that he continues with his good form. But if not, then Diego Carlos will be able to take his place. 
and whether we'll look to sign someone next year that's a conversation for another time um now I, I think we've avoided the problem for for enough time now so I am gonna head over to Stephen Gerrard who is a big topic point at the moment I'm just gonna say that for now I am still Gerard in at this moment in time I feel as though if we were to chop and change then it wouldn't really be providing solution to the problem um I think there's a lot of names banded out at the moment but that's that's from fans who are perhaps speculatively hoping rather than rather than logical thinking at this moment in time but I've said it all along Perslow went out for his man and he's not going to jump the gun on him, especially due to the relationship they have. Perslow will want this to work as much as anyone. And I know for people that listen to the podcast regularly, I probably sound like a broken record. But if Perslow has to sack Gerard early on, then it will ultimately come down as failure on him as well. And he won't want that to happen. So he will give Gerard as long as he possibly gets and my worry for that is it could possibly turn toxic. We mentioned Arsenal and City in our next two games. You know, if if we'd have had a good start to the season, we'd have been going, yeah, I mean, let's head into that. No fear, see what we can do. But now the pressure's really on with those two and and playing those two teams in the league, especially City, you, you don't want the pressure on. We look towards the game after that and we've got Southampton on the Friday night under the lights at Villa Park and then an international break. So I really feel as though these three games are Gerard's probably most important of his tenure in management so far. I think they will really define his character, the team's belief in him as well. And if we can if we can pull a result out of the first two, then it almost takes the pressure off Southampton. But otherwise, Southampton could be an absolute must-win, not only for Villa to avoid lurking down the bottom of the table, but also you know, to ease that sort of expectation on Gerard's shoulders because the fans the fans aren't happy at the moment. I think that's quite clear to see on social media. I mean, obviously, everything is hyped up times by 100 on social media, so you can't really take much notice. But with the performances that we're putting in at the moment and the abysmal start we've had to this season, the conversation's not going to go away until he starts producing some results. What are your thoughts about it, Tom? Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I don't think that, um, I don't think Gerard's job is in imminent danger at all. I think if any, I, I think the first, the first opportunity at which I think Perslow and the owners are seriously going to reconsider things if it doesn't improve is World Cup break, right? Because like, you've got the perfect, for not just us, for a lot of clubs, like that is going to be the perfect window to reassess how things are going because you've got right you've got six weeks right if you act at the start of that window you've got six weeks to bring somebody else in bed them in like albeit with a fair few players missing because they'll be on international duty for at least some of that time so but like I don't think anybody should realistically expect any action until then and I'm not sure that that I I'm, I'm, I'm in I'm in the same boat as you I think like I am very very skeptical about Gerard. I was quite skeptical when we appointed him but I was willing to see how it went, saw some positive signs early on and everything. But the fact of the matter is, it's like since March, since that, what, that Leeds win, I think, in March, our form's awful. Like, let's make no bones about that. Our form's awful. Um, but, like, you, you can't just chop, you know, chopping and changing. You look, end up looking at clubs like, I don't know, like Watford or whoever. Like, if you 
getting, you know, chopping and changing doesn't, every so often it can work in the short term, but it doesn't solve any problems in the long term. And particularly, like you say correctly, like with Perslow and Villa, like we're, we've gone in on this Gerard project. Um, you can't just abandon it, I don't think. And so I don't see, I don't really see that happening. But what I will say is I just made the point already about, I feel like we have this conversation a lot after Villa defeats where a change from the opposing manager pays dividends and wins them the game. And uh, we make Gerard makes reactive changes. He's too slow to act, and I, I just haven't really seen. I raised this with 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 a mate recently. Um, I can't think in nine months not to be too down on Gerard, but I'm not sure I can think of a time where I would say, you know what, this game wasn't going well, and Stephen Gerrard's in-game tactical management turned things around and won that game for us. I'm not sure that's happened. And like when you're saying that after nine months, okay, there's a summer in between. So it's not really, so it's seven months of actual football time, you know. But if you're saying that after nine months, two transfer windows, um, it's not a good look really. And and I just, we need to see more from him. Like the, the main concern I had with Gerard when we appointed him was that the SPL argument can be, can be lazy and can be overused, but there are certainly valid points to take from that about him only ever having managed Rangers in the SPL before. He's not really faced a great deal of adversity, either as a player or as a manager, to be honest. He's used to winning most weeks. Um, and I think that's the bad side of that has been showing, I think, in recent weeks with his sort of spikiness in the media, like post-match comments and the way he sort of verges sometimes on calling out his own players in ways that I think is not particularly healthy. Um, all of that, at what point does a serial winner, I'm putting air quotes around those, at what point does a serial winner become just a bad loser? There's a really very fine line between those two things. And um, so the main concern I had is when the chips are down, which they will be at Villa, because we've been fans of this club for long enough to know that it doesn't take much for the chips to be down really for Villa. Um, it was bound to happen at some point. Does Gerard have the metal and the um, tactical nous and the strength of character, strength of managerial character, at least, to pull himself up by the bootstraps and react well to those situations? Um, I think that's about to be really tested. I, I actually think in terms of on-field performance, I think we'll bounce back a little bit. I think we'll put up quite a good fight against Arsenal, certainly, in midweek. City, I think, are a bit of an unstoppable force, to be honest. I'm not expecting anything. And I'm not necessarily expecting a, saying I'm expecting a result from the Arsenal game. But I think we'll, if we lose, I think we'll be valiant in defeat. I have to say, I think we'll be a bit better and we'll raise our game. Because that does happen with Villa quite a lot, where we raise our game against better teams. Like you said at the, at, at the top of this, Seb, like a, a lot of the problem we have is not looking like the home team against teams that we should be beating. Um, whereas I think if we, you know, we do raise our game quite a lot for stern opposition sometimes. So I think there there will be some level of response, but, um, we're just going to have to start seeing more from Gerard. Like in a way, I do hope that Coutinho, I hope there's nothing serious, but if he, if Coutinho has to miss a game or two, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for the long-term, the medium to long-term future of us this season because it's going to force Gerard to find ways to play without his mate to be honest and I don't necessarily think that's the worst thing in the world so we need to see a reaction from the players but we need to see a reaction from the dugout as well 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's really interesting what you said about Gerard's mentality there, because I don't know if it was evident on, on TV, but Gerard disappeared straight down the tunnel at full time. And that strikes me as a manager that's feeling the pressure, I think, he he's shown signs of cracking recently in terms of like you said his snappiness with the media you know you don't you don't just disappear down the tunnel home or away you you come out and clap the fans and I think that's that's the most important thing um one thing I have noticed about Gerard and you mentioned it there is that he seems to raise his game against bigger opposition I remember City at home last year we should have got a result against them. Liverpool at home, arguably as well, we should have got a result against them. So teams like Arsenal, you feel as though there's an, not almost an opportunity to be had, as in I'd be expecting a result, but an opportunity to be had to be able to go out and show that we, can't, we won't just roll over for teams who are higher than us in the league and who are probably expected to win. I mean, look at Fulham. They they held Arsenal out until, you know, three, four minutes to go. And even City, if we're looking on to the weekend, you know, they've shown in recent weeks that if you attack them, they're there to be had. And although stopping them from putting the ball in the net is a completely different matter, they're there to be had in defence. Um, and I'll mention this on the, on the um, intro to this podcast that we haven't had a preview for a long, long time. I'm going to try and make that change with Arsenal. It will be very short notice. So I'm not sure whether I'll be able to get in there, record and then put it out in time. So, you know, you'll have to wait and see on that one. But hopefully we will have a preview for that one coming up with an Arsenal channel, um, certainly. But you've got to look at those two games as almost like you said, not really expecting many points off it, but expecting a performance. I think that's the least we can expect after after the start we've had and after the reaction and the question on everybody's lips. The least we can give is two good performances that then let us go into Southampton thinking, yeah, if we play the way we have in recent weeks, then we will get a result. Because if we lose badly to Arsenal City then Southampton, before the international break comes up, becomes almost a must win and, you know, a must put in a good performance because I think, like you mentioned, Gerard will get at least until the World Cup, but every club will analyse before the international break. Every club will sit down and think, where's it gone wrong so far? Where's it gone right so far? How are we doing? Like Brighton will sit down in front of the international break and think, oh my God, like this couldn't have been a better start for us 
you know, our chips are up at the moment. I cannot believe it. Whereas Villa will be looking at the international break going, where's it gone wrong for us? You look at the game, that, the games that we had. I, I look at the fixture list that came out when it first came out and I looked at the games that we've had and I've gone, perfect. This is the perfect start for us. I've always been one to say the start to a season is the most crucial. But now we haven't had that start. We've got to find a way of pulling it back because, and although we're a long, long way for this, we are we are vulnerable of being able to be dragged into the bottom of the table, and we don't want to be in fights like that, especially with the characters and players we've got, and especially with you know the vision that the club has. You know, we hear all this off the field stuff of building the stadium and you know improving the facilities around Villa Park, but. That will only entice the fans if things are going right on the pitch. Yeah, it's like that thing with uh, talking about Perslow and the owners and stuff, setting their sights on Europe within a few years and that sort of stuff. You know, ambition's all well and good, but it's got to be a realistic ambition and B, yeah, there's got to be some signs that you are working towards that and putting the, the building blocks in place, right? right? Like... And you, this, the the sort of the stats and the reading are just getting worse and worse as the weeks go. Really, like I've got one here actually um, from Villa, Villa Analytics that Born, Bournemouth, Palace, and West Ham have won three out of their twelve Premier League games combined this season. All three of those wins have been against Villa, and like West Ham and Bournemouth, that's two Premier League clubs whose only goals so far this season have come against Villa. Like it's, I feel like every week there are not necessarily more and more negative signs, but every week there are um, well, a lot of warning signs, aren't there really? Um, and it's getting harder and harder to, you know, we'll never, I like to think that as like a, as a part and as a group, we'll never be like completely down on Villa. Um, at the end of the day, like I spend no matter no matter what happens, what result, I spend all week looking forward to the next Villa game, as I'm sure so many fans do. It doesn't really matter what stage, you know, where we're at. I remember feeling like that during the 15-16 relegation season. Couldn't wait to watch us lose again. Um, just keeps you hanging on, doesn't it? Um, but it is getting a little harder to pick the positives. Um, one thing I will say that I want to add noted down that I'd be remiss not to say is I thought when we were talking about the first half performance earlier, I thought we looked a lot better um, in the midfield. I thought our balance was a lot better with, with Dougie Louise in today. Um, I thought he really added uh, a level of like solidity, I guess, in the midfield. Um, he's a solid player and he's also quite a fluid player as well. And I thought that he, uh, the balance of our midfield looked a lot better. Um, so it's just unfortunate that Steven Gerrard watched an hour of that game with us looking more balanced in midfield and everything and decided that the, what he needed to do was take Douglas Luiz off because I felt like that, not, nothing against, it's not Jacob Ramsey's fault, but they're just different kind of player and it upset our balance, I think. Like there's big, there are some big questions that, um, that Gerrard's going to have to answer over the next few weeks and it's difficult we've got to look at it as a double-edged sword, I think, Arsenal-Man City. In a way, you know, while you were talking, and uh, I was thinking that it's... In a way, I'm glad that our next two games now, there's going to be pretty much zero expectation other than hoping that we can rebound and put up a bit of a fight. 
that's basically as far as the expectation is going to extend, I think, for most Villa fans. And you're at the point where if you want to look at it positively, you've got to hope really that it becomes one of those situations where with the, with the pressure off slightly, we can play a bit more and find a bit more strength on, on the pitch. Because uh, I think a, a bit of the problem today was that Gerard and the players knew that we, we sort of needed to win. Not, it, you know, not must win because it's still so early on, but certainly knew that the fans would be looking at this game as a game that we really have to win if we want to, you know, turn things around and show that we're serious about moving up the table. Um, nobody's going to be thinking like that for Arsenal and City. So you've got to just hope that it it frees them up a little bit and we see some kind of response. Um, yeah, like you said, really, what you just can't do is slide. Can't go to Arsenal, lose 4-0. Host City, lose 4-0. Go to Southampton with 10 times the pressure on the Southampton game as, as, as was on today on the West Ham game. Um, that's a situation that's not going to end well for anyone, I don't think, really. It's really interesting because when Ramsey came on, I think he handled really well. He was able to get in between the West Ham midfield and create problems. So it, it creates question marks as to why it was Douglas Louise brought off and not mm. McGinn. I mean, obviously, we've got that big band around McGinn's arm, which means that he's more unlikely to be brought off. But does that make him undroppable? Yeah, well, like, because... It wasn't Gerard's. I can't remember if he actually if he actually said this or if this was like inferred by Villa Twitter or whatever. But part of the th- you know w- when we announced our captains and there were like what two vice captains and a club captain, right? It's Martinez and Carlos as vice captains and then Ashley Young as club captain. Like part of the thing is is that having a Premier League squad in today's day and age, particularly this season with five subs being introduced, um, you need three or four leaders in your team. You know, you throw Mings in there as well. I know he's not a captain or a vice captain, but he's undoubtedly a vocal leader whenever he's on the pitch. Um, you need three or four leaders. And part of the reason that you need three, three, three or four leaders is that with the intensity of a Premier League season and having five subs, your leader doesn't necessarily have to be on the pitch the whole time. And I think we are getting to that point with McGinn. Like I've, I've, John McGinn is one of my favourite Villa players from recent years overall performances he's put in in the past character you know like cult of personality that sort of stuff but nobody can be looking at John McGinn at the moment and thinking there's a guy in the form who's, who's there's a guy whose place in the team should be locked down he's you know if I do believe that if the captain's armband wasn't around his wasn't around his arm then he would be dropped um Gerard's clearly got no problem with making those kind of big decisions where he feels they're necessary um I I just he's a big fan he's a big big fan of John McGinn clearly I think Gerard sees McGinn as a player somewhat similar to himself like heartbeat of a midfield willing to take on the responsibility which McGinn did a lot before he was made captain he took he's one I said this I think shortly after Grealish left that McGinn was one of the players I felt was stepping up to take the burden of being a leader on the pitch for Villa um, but it's just not going right for him, is it? Like at all. And how, you know, the definition of madness, isn't it? It's doing the same thing over and over again when it's not working. Like how long do you keep going with with this, really? Like, I, I'm finding it harder and harder at the moment to think that we wouldn't be better served with like a midfield of, you know, Kamara, Louise and Ramsey, or even like 
I wouldn't at all be averse to see Emi Buendia dropped back into a bit of a number eight position. I think he's really got the attributes to play there. Um, but my concern is just, I don't, I fully expect John McGinn to be in the lineup again uh, on Wednesday. I can't really see him being dropped. Um, but I think that's the kind of change that a bold manager wouldn't be afraid to make and the kind of change that could spark something of a reaction, both in McGinn and in the team in general. Um, it, I don't know. It's tough calls, isn't it? It's even more questionable when you've got someone like Morgan Sanson, who is literally just sitting in the shadows at the moment. I mean, whether we're looking to get him out before the end of the window closes or whether he literally just isn't in Gerard's plans, it feels a waste to almost have yeah. him at the club because yeah. we haven't seen anything of him. You know, he's not making our substitutes bench yet we've got all these pending problems in midfield and he still doesn't be able to get almost any opportunity, even against Bolton. I know Gerard went full strength, but you would have thought a character like that you'd have in the squad or at least give some minutes to because, you know, let's not beat around the bush. Main problem this so far this season has been our midfield. A lot of people have been calling out for it and that's why there is such a almost demand online especially that we need a new midfielder coming in so it makes it all the more tough when he's making calls like leaving Sanson out Mm. yet he's keeping players like McGinn in with such a big midfield problem I think I think we've had you here long enough to recover from your illness before I start throwing you under the bus (laughs) so the first question I've got for you before we go is what do you think after seeing Gerard he's had nine months in charge now how would you say he's improved this team from when Dean Smith was in charge? It's the problem, isn't it? I mean, I said I said a couple of weeks ago, I think, that, you know, I said earlier in this pod that I don't think Gerard has won us a game with his in-game tactical management since he's been here. Like, nothing comes to mind in that regard. I'm also unsure, even looking at individual players, who's got better? You know, there are lots of players, I felt, who got better. I know that things went off the rails a bit towards the end of Smith's time, but... He improved a lot of players at Villa. Um, Gerard, since Gerard's been here, Matty Cash maybe got better. Second Nakamba. Half, Nakamba. Um, Nakamba, yeah, at first, but sounds like he's from what, you know, sounds like he's not really necessarily in plans anymore either. Like maybe Matty Cash and Jacob Ramsey, but Jacob Ramsey's star was rising already. Um, I think Gerard did help him early on because um, he's Gerard's got a, when things are going right, at least, Gerard's got to be a pretty inspiring figure in terms of his playing career for someone like Jacob Ramsey. So maybe there's a couple there. Um, but in terms of the team, like, especially considering the signings that we've made, so far, the only thing, the only way I can definitively say that Gerard has improved us or improved us, there are those air quotes again, is that we, we're, attracting a, we're attracting a better calibre of name. Bubakar Kamara, it's hard to imagine him signing for Aston Villa with his with his choice of clubs, right, right, as free agent or able to move on a free. It's hard to imagine him joining Dean Smith's Aston Villa. So I mean, I guess that's an improvement. Pulling power, Diego Carlos as well. But um how much of a real terms improvement is that if the results are arguably as bad as they were? You know, I know we went on a bad run, a really bad run of consecutive losses before Gerard took over. But I mean, if you take a wider, you know, if you take a wider view than just sort of like those five or six games, are the results any better? 
like the performance is any better really i'm not i'm just not convinced at all and it's that would be easier to stomach if we hadn't brought in players who on paper really clearly should be improving our performances and our and our side you know like we're the caliber of player we're attracting is definitely better than it was a couple of years ago um that's not a sustainable process if you don't improve on the pitch right um and i just there's certainly not a sustained improvement so yeah i don't know it's 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 difficult one i want to give him time i think we will give him time um luck does turn you know you need a, you just need a bit of something we need something to de- you know if we need something to deflect and fly in and relieve the pressure a little bit like west ham got today but it's just you get sucked into it i'm sure every fan of every football team thinks this but you get sucked into thinking that like those just don't ever go your way do they they seem to go against you far more than they they go for you um hopefully we'll be uh we'll be coming back to this conversation on like uh, in a pod on thursday or something after Jacob Ramsey's hit one from 30 yards and it's looped over Ramsdale. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could sign 11 of the best players in the world, but if the performances aren't improving on the pitch, then, you know, what what good is that going to do? But I, th- I think we've talked enough about how we could possibly see us improving and, and what's going wrong. So just before I round it up for this week, what are you hoping to expect from the Arsenal game in midweek? I want us to be. I want us to be competitive. I want to see Emmy. Like I want Emmy Brendier on the pitch for a start. I think he will be now with Coutinho. You know, with Coutinho's knock, um, Arsenal away, especially against this Arsenal, is not a Philip Coutinho game. Like I didn't think Coutinho was poor today. Any, uh, I thought he was fine. Um, but you need. I, we're going to need scrappers. I think I'd like to see like Emmy Brendier in. I think Louise should start again. Thought Louise was good today. Um, added a bit more grit and balance to our midfield. Mainly, I want to see some resiliency. Again, I thought defensively today we were we were all right, um, but we were against a, a lackluster at best West Ham, but realistically like a really poor West Ham. They were a better second half, thanks to Moyes' tactical tweak, but um, they were really poor, um, particularly in the first half. It's obviously going to be obviously going to be a much sterner test on Wednesday. So I'd like to see, we're going to need to be resilient. I just want to see us hang in there a bit and. Um, find ways to try and take the game to Arsenal a bit on the break. Seeing a little bit more of Leon Bailey wouldn't go amiss, I think. I thought Bailey looked pretty promising when he came on today. Pretty much the only player we've got, I think, at the moment who looks willing to, I suppose, a bit of Brendier as well, although it's not so much his game. Like, Bailey's the player who looks most likely to get the ball down at his feet, take somebody on, make something happen. Um, find a bit of space on the break and and exploit it. But, I mean, honestly, my expectations are not particularly high um as long as we go there and we look competitive and we make arsenal work for whatever they get from the game then i won't be too i won't be too unhappy really like i say i just hope that the the lack of expectation of a result um reaps some kind of reward for us in in term at least in terms of performance from the players um you know that like if we go there and lose four nil it's going to be um a pretty bleak conversation afterwards i think regardless of arsenal's quality Bailey starting. Sorry, I, I forgot I was on a podcast with with Craig Butler. Um, <laughs> he I mean, scores, I, he I, scores I, every game, Seb. Don't you know? Scores yeah. every game, Leon Bailey. <laughs> That's more like it. There we <laughs> go. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not going to touch into those comments because I think we've we've had the game. Bailey didn't set the world alight today. 
Um, so I'm just going to brush over those comments from now. And I don't think we're going to touch on unless there's anything specific you want to say about it. Not particularly. No. Just part, all part of the circus, isn't it? That is Aston Villa Football Club. But... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that brings this one to a close. If you made it this far, congratulations. But I've also just noticed that both Tom and Seb mentioned that our next three games are Arsenal, Man City, and Southampton, when in fact we play Leicester, and that's nudged in between the Southampton and Man City game. But regardless of that, we all know that Steven Gerrard's probably under pressure within the fan base, so all of these are major games for him and the football club. Make sure to keep an eye on this space, of course. Check all your uh, podcast listening areas and networks uh, follow us at 7500 to holt on twitter you can of course email us holtcast at gmail.com and of course we should have an arsenal preview hopefully up on tuesday where seb will be discussing all things arsenal and that match coming up with an arsenal fan but anyways we'll leave it there it's good to be back and don't forget up the villa When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.